Well, grandson, you get to finally join your grandpa and paint in the old gate. Big day for the two of us, huh? Yeah. You know, I think I'll set down the paint can and the brush. And before we start on this old gate, your grandpa needs to give you some instructions. Now listen to me very carefully, okay? It is important that you and I get that paint on this gate and not on ourselves. Because if we get more paint on us than we get on that gate, your grandma is going to skin me alive. Does it hurt? Well, that's a figure of speech. What's a figure of speech? Well, uh, uh, well just put it this way. Uh, when grandma says something, she means it, okay? So let's get our paint up on the gate. You all right with that? Good. All right. What's that? <laughs> Why does grandpa paint this gate every year? Well, this gate's a pretty special gate in our family's life. Yeah. Through this gate, 31 years ago, came a young man who the whole family thought had either been lost or had died. And when that boy came home and walked through these gates, oh my goodness. Well, that's why Grandpa hosts a party every time this year to celebrate homecoming of that boy. Because I tell you what, Harrison, if that boy hadn't come home, well... It would have broken his daddy's heart. No, that's not one of those sayings. Figure speech. I really believe if that boy hadn't come home, it would have broken his daddy's heart. A part of his heart would have died. You know, Harrison, I think that maybe you're old enough now to know the story about that boy. Would you like to hear it? Yeah? All right. That boy, uh, that boy was born ornery, I got to tell you. He came out of his mother's womb that way. Always had a streak in him where he had to have his own way. Didn't matter how much his mom and dad loved him. Didn't matter how much they tried to discipline him. He always had to be in charge. In fact, when he became a teenager, well, he just became so hard for them to handle. Didn't matter what they did. Finally, one day before he turned 18, he announced to his daddy, he said, when I become 18, I'm leaving this place and I'm never coming back again. I hate all your rules and I hate your religion." hate your old-fashioned ways. Fact is, when, when I finally leave, I'm going to make up my own rules. And you know what my first rule is going to be? My first rule is going to be that there are no rules. Wow. Well, true to his word, when he turned 18 years of age, he came to his daddy and he said, I'm leaving home. And because I'm not coming back again, I want my inheritance now. Now, 
I got to tell you something, Harrison. You can't speak more cruel words to a father than ask for your inheritance. I mean, it's like saying to your daddy that you wish he was dead. So, the father went to the bank against the will of the family. In fact, the older brother called the old man a fool. How can you go to the bank and get that money out? That boy's never done a lick of work to deserve a penny you're about to give him. You old fool. He didn't stop the father. He went to the bank and he took out the equivalent of what the boy would have received if the father had died that day. And he brought it home. He put the money out on the table and <laughs> that boy, he grabbed that money so fast he must have thought that the father might change his mind and take it back and he stuffed it into his backpack till it was bulging and then he swung that backpack over his shoulder. Didn't even bother to say goodbye. His mama was in the back bedroom and just tears over what was taking place. The father uh, followed him out the door and down the pathway and right through these gates. And, and that boy headed down the lane. What's that? Oh, uh, just a memory that Papa has. You know that boy, he never looked back. Didn't even glance over his shoulder to see what his father was doing. But he knew. (laughs) He knew his father. He knew his father would stand there until he disappeared. He also knew that uh, deep down inside, his father loved him. The father just watched. He couldn't see his son anymore. And then he just bowed his head. And he began to cry. And then he began to pray and he began to ask God to keep the boy safe. And if it were possible that God would bring that boy safely home. What's that? What happened to the boy? Well, the first thing he did is he took some of that money and he went out and bought himself the fanciest sports car you could imagine. And he got in that thing and he drove west all the way to a city called Las Vegas. It's a place, I'm told, where the lights never go out. And he started gambling. What's gambling? Well, uh, gambling is uh, when, when you give some, somebody some money to play their game and And uh, if you win the game, you get your money back and a whole bunch of other money too. What happens if you lose? Well, they keep all your money. Did he lose his money? Not right away. Fact is, I got to tell you, he he was one of the luckiest boys ever born. I think that kid touched, turned to success. And man, he started making big money. He'd been playing cards on the side for a long time. He knew how to play some game called poker. And man, he started winning money, hand over fist. People were watching him. And you know what? They, they paid a lot of attention to him because he had a lot of money. And pretty soon, there were all kinds of people who wanted to be his friend. Yeah, he liked all the attention, especially from the beautiful young girls. He used to throw these Wild parties for his friends. 
And they used to come over, and I got to tell you, Harrison, they did some really naughty things. Meanwhile, his papa, his daddy would come out every day to that old gate. Sometimes he'd stand behind it, and sometimes he'd stand in front of it. And he'd just look. He just looked down this old lane, waiting to see maybe if his son was going to come home. Once in a while, he'd see somebody coming, a stranger. Didn't know if it was somebody looking for a job or maybe, just maybe it was his son. And he thought about that, his old heart would start to race. And maybe his boy was coming home and he'd just look real careful until... So finally he'd make out who it was and he knew it wasn't his son. How do you know? Well, his son walked with a real strange limp. The boy had fallen out of the hayloft when he was young and injured his leg and, well, he walked stiff-legged all the time. Meanwhile, his son was having a, having a great old time in Vegas, living the high life. And then one day, his luck changed started losing money. At first, it was just a little bit of money, and then pretty soon, he started losing a whole lot of money. Pretty soon, he couldn't pay for his debts. He had to sell everything he had. And all of a sudden, there he was with, well, just the clothes he was wearing, a few dollars in his pockets, and an empty, an empty backpack. Next thing he knew, he didn't have any friends around what happened to his friends? Well, as soon as he lost, their, lost his money, they lost interest in him. That's right. They weren't really friends at all, were they? And Harrison, that should be a lesson to you. If the only reason people want to be your friends is because of what you have, then they're not really interested in you at all. All they're interested in is what you have. And as soon as what you got has gone, so are they. Nah, the best kind of friends are the people who like you for, for who you are. Not what you have or don't have in your backpack. He started getting kind of hungry. It was winter time. He was getting cold. And he tried to find some work, but nobody would hire him. Nobody wants to hire a loser. Pretty soon he began to think about home. Been a long time since he thought about home. Thought about his dad. Thought about the warm house and the food and the clothes. Realized what a pig-headed fool he'd been. Realized that maybe his father's rules weren't so bad after all. Maybe his father's religion wasn't all that wrong. Began to miss his dad and his family. Finally, his pride was broken. And that boy decided they should go home. He took the last few dollars that he had and he bought a one-way bus ticket back home. And he got on board that bus and oh, it was a long bus ride home. Long ride home. Which gave him plenty of time to think and he wondered to himself what his father was going to do when he came home. What was he going to say to his dad? He began making up a speech and he went over that speech over and over again. He imagined himself seeing his dad and 
thought to himself, I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. And I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you take me back as one of your hired hands? I promise I'll work real hard. I'll keep all the rules. I'll even go to church. And I'll save up all the money I get paid. And someday, Daddy, I'm going to pay you back. Now, he knew deep down inside, Harrison, that he'd never be able to pay his daddy back for all the money his father had given him and that he had lost. He just hoped that maybe somehow his father would show him mercy. Well, that day, 31 years ago, my father came out to paint the old gate. He put on that gate a fresh coat of paint, and when he finished, he did what he always did. He turned around, and he looked down that lonely lane. Except this time, he saw somebody coming. Squinted and looked really hard to see if it was somebody looking for a job or somebody had been lost. The more he looked, he realized there's something familiar about that boy. Yeah, that's right. The limp. Pretty soon, the old man's heart started to beat really fast. He realized he was his son. And the father dropped the paint can and the brush right there on the ground. And well, he took off running toward that son, his arms flailing in the wind as he ran. And some of the hired hands who had been working around the ranch that day saw the father running. They'd never seen him run like that before. They thought there was a fire or something wrong. So they started running after the father. And all of them were just running toward that boy. And that boy, he got really scared because when he looked up the lane, all he could see was this old man coming with him with his arms beating in the air and a whole bunch of men coming after him. He thought for sure they are going to beat him to death. He didn't know if he should run or if he should stand still or duck or what. He started his speech, uh, 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 Father, uh, before he could get the words out, his father cut up to him and just wrapped those big old arms around his son and pulled him in tight in a father bear hug. Father's face touched the cheek of his son. His son felt the warm tears coming down both of their faces. And the father turned his mouth in toward his son's ear. And he said to his son, Oh, son, I've been waiting for you every single day since you left. And I want you to know, boy, Your father has never stopped loving you. And he put his arm around that boy. And together, like a little parade, they made their way up to that gate. And they passed through that gate. And while the boy was walking past the gate, his back pressed up against that fresh paint. As they came through the gate, the father said to his hired hands, I want you to go find the fattest calf that we have. And I want you to butcher that calf. And I want you to go out. And I want you to tell all the neighbors to come. Because we're going to have ourselves a party. You see this boy? I thought this boy had died. He's alive. I thought he was lost. But he's been found. I want you to tell everybody that my son is back. We're going to have a party. And I tell you what, Harrison, there was such joy that day in the ranch. All except for uh, the older brother. 
he wasn't quite happy. Why? Well, because he thought the party should have been held for him. Why? Well, because he figured he deserved it. He kept all the rules. He'd worked really hard. He'd done everything the father had asked him to do. He'd gone to church every day. He deserved that party. Not his younger brother. His father came up to him and put his arm around him. And said, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't get the father's love because you work so hard or because you keep the rules or because you go to church every day. No, no, no. You receive the Father's love because, well, just because you're a son and because he chooses to love you. And that's why, that's why Papa throws a party every year to celebrate that Father's love for taking his son back into the family and loving him. Whew, Harrison, I got to tell you something. That story, that story got your grandpa kind of worked up and kind of hungry. I tell you what, let's uh, take the paint can back home and the paintbrush and put it away for a little while. I don't know about you, but I've worked up an appetite. And I saw grandma making some of her homemade peanut butter cookies. I think it's about time for you and me to have a manly drink of milk. And uh, maybe half a dozen peanut butter cookies. What do you think of that? Yeah, you like that idea? Good. Well, let me get this can, this brush. What's that? You got a question? Sure, ask a question. What do you want to ask me? (laughs) That's a good question. Did my mama skin my hide when she saw the paint on my shirt? Well, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow night, you can ask great-grandma at the party in their honor. You know, grace is one of the most amazing words that you'll find in the Bible. Grace describes God's love for us, giving us something that we can't earn and we don't deserve. Grace is Christ coming to us and letting us know about God's love. The Bible says, for God so loved this world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Grace. Grace is that father in the prodigal son story who comes running to his son, not to beat him with his fists but to embrace him and love him and let him know that he's forgiven. Grace is not the older brother who thinks that love is something you can earn or something you gain by performance or by being religious. Grace is actually about another brother in that story, Jesus Christ. Who told the story? It's about him. It's about how he saw the father's broken heart for all his sons and daughters, the world, displaced from him in a far country called sin. 
He says to his father, I will go find those lost children. And I will tell them how much you love them. And I will tell them that you are waiting with open arms to bring them home, to see them home. And that's what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He came on behalf of his father to express to us how much he loves us. That's why we call the words that Jesus spoke the good news. It's the greatest news. That God doesn't hate us, but that God loves us. And yet Jesus knew that there was no way we could be reconciled to his father in and of ourselves because we are sinful human beings. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages, the consequences of our sin is death, separation from God. Not just physical death, but spiritual death, uh, assignment to a place called hell. It's very real. And God desires no one to spend an eternity in hell. So what Jesus does is Jesus says, I love them too, Father, and I will die. I will die for each one of them. I will die on the cross. Your perfect son, I will give my life up so that you can forgive. And receive them to yourself. And that's what Jesus did on Good Friday. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. He paid our price. So we could be forgiven by his blood sacrifice. So we could be cleansed. So we could be accepted by the Father. And that's why Easter is so very important. I mean, without Easter, Jesus would have been a liar. Without Easter, Jesus would have just been a good man who was delusional in his thinking. He died on the cross for no reason at all. But Easter proves that what Jesus did was the real deal. And who he represented was real. And what was accomplished was final. He rose on that third day to prove to us that what he did on the cross mattered. And that faith in him is the connection to having a relationship with the Father. And so this weekend, this Easter weekend, here at Hobson and at the 111th campus, the arms of God's Son is stretched toward us. And he says to any of us who are living in a far country to come home. Father's not angry. Father's heart is broken. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And Jesus says, I'm going to bring you home to those loving arms of my Father. How about it? What's the far country that you might be in right now? Maybe some of us are in the far country of pride. We've just been trying to make life on our own strength, our own power. We don't think we really need God. But we've been kind of hit around by recent economic circumstances or other kinds of situations. And we've kind of been toppled from our, our uh, stanchion of pride. And we realize that, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need God. Why don't you... Come home from the country of pride and humble yourself and receive and know of God's love and forgiveness. There may be some of us who are living in the country of pain and guilt and shame. 
And we know we've walked away. We had one of those experiences. We just kind of walked away from God and walked away from the people who loved us. And, oh, my goodness, the decisions we've made have been so painful. And we've had so much loneliness in our life and so much hurt in our life. And, you know, we've been told by people that we've been so bad that God would never take us back. And they're, they're just lying to us. I want you to know that no matter what you've done, where you've been, I want you to know that God's arms are wide open. He's ready to take you home. It doesn't matter. His son died to forgive you all your sins. And he loves you. And I'm so glad he's got a new day starts. Because that's who he is. Some of us are in the country of ritual and religion. I hate to tell you this, but religion, Protestant, Catholic, whatever religion, you know, it is. A religion can't save you. A church can't save you. An institution, an organization, traditions and rituals, they can't save you. They can make you feel better sometimes, but they can't save you. What saves you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's some of us who've been living in the, in the country of religion and, relig- and ritual and tradition, and, and we feel kind of empty about it. We don't know if maybe we've been good enough for God. What a horrible way to live. Have I been good enough for God? Have I done enough of the right things? What if I show up in heaven and you've been better than me? And I don't make it. Talk to people all the time that hope they're going to get into heaven. You don't have to hope you're going to get into heaven. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity with him. So this weekend, whether it's here at Hobson or 111th, you have an opportunity. If you're in one of those far countries, to come home. In a couple of minutes, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And when we do, I'm going to open those gates. And if there's someone here who's living in a far country, I'm going to invite you when we start to sing to just step out from where you are. Come right up this lane. And through these gates, as your way of saying, God, I'm coming home. Then all you got to do is either go down those steps or those steps. And we want you to gather here in the front. Stay here while we sing. Before you come, some of our prayer partners are going to come down these aisleways as well. And they're actually going to walk up these steps and go through these gates to kind of show you what to do and also so you won't feel alone. And I want you to feel free when they do that. I want you to feel free to come right on up and be a part of that whole experience. So let's pray. Father, in a moment when we have an opportunity to come forward, I just pray, oh God, that if there are any like I was at one time in a far country who need to come home, that God, you just bring them home and let them know they're coming home to a loving God who cares so much about them. Lord, our leaving where we are is like our act of repentance. Our coming to the gates is our faith in you. So do good work in the service, oh God, like you did in the last service. Bring some people home.